Hi. Welcome. This is, uh, I guess I'm starting. This is, this is going to be the beginning of this. Uh, welcome to the No Friends podcast, where there are no friends, only buddies. And joining me today is you, whoever you may be. You're the guest today. So it's really all about you. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Okay, that's what I thought. Hold on. I'm going to do a quick pause break, make sure that this doesn't sound too shitty. Okay. Consensus says that it sounds shitty, but shitty is our only option. But let me just uh, start out by saying thank you. Thank you for taking the time to not only admit that you have no friends, but that you would like to excel in pretending that you do have friends. Because if you listen to this, you have a friend in me. Don't think too hard about that. Just listen to it and put this friend in your ear. On that note, welcome. Like I said, this is the start of something. This is not set in stone. This is not Post Malone. And no, I will not leave you alone. Will I break out in rhyme? Probably all the time. But the point is, thanks. Uh, I, I can't promise this is going to be the new, latest, and greatest, but it's going to be genuine and, and from the heart. So today you're just going to have to deal with me. But in the future, and probably when this actually ends up coming out, there will be other human-based organisms who will be there with me and they will tell you about some wacky bacteria that they've interacted with and you can judge their chromosomes for yourself. Does it sound like I know a lot? Don't answer that, but stay tuned. So, like I'm saying, format, it's loose, it's goosey, okay? I hope that wasn't too loud. It's going to be a bummer for me to listen to again, but either way. Today, I'm going to give you an agenda. Is that going to be a normal thing? Probably not, because the way this is going to work is if I am ever blessed with with if I am ever blessed with anyone's presence to join me on this said podcast and maybe when I'm feeling a really a, a, a desperate, I'll reach out to some of the folks on the fine internets of the interweb. Shout out to one of us.net. That's O-N-E-O-F-U-S dot net, N-E-T. So website, they do reviews and stuff. There's a section called the Screener Squad. And every once in a while, you'll be able to hear my voice on there. So definitely just want to give them a quick shout out. Check them out. Other than that, Double Toasted is God. Uh, all praise be the toast and Corey Coleman and Martin Thomas and the juicy one. Uh, but on a completely different page, turn the page, the metaphorical page of this podcast, not even checking how long we're going for, because I know that it's barely been five minutes. Wouldn't it have been funny if this isn't even recording? Lucky for you, it is. And I know it is, because I just checked. And we're only three minutes and 30 seconds into this. So why don't you just... Lock in, grab your pen, get those fingers stretched out. You get to work. Me? Why, I'm going to sit back and and titillate that big old brain of yours. You probably thought I was going to say little something, but 
we all know that if you're listening to this, you got that big brain energy. And that's what I'm trying to bring to 2020. Bring me your big brain energy. Forget that big dick energy. Because if you got a big dick, all that flesh went to your penis and not up to your brain. And I'm trying to get my fingers in those wrinkly, uh, loose skin, fat brains. You feel me, dog? Feel that brain. Okay, so touch your scalp, touch your toes, and uh, let me know. Okay. Uh, social media at Hemmendinger, H-E-M-M-E-N-D-I-N-G-E-R on Instagram. And uh, there will also be a No Friends podcast Instagram. It's that, No Friends podcast. That's going to basically be the website for this. Uh, but starting out uh, with what we got today, I'm going to just give you a rundown of what's going on here. Uh, so like I said, normally there'll be a guest and I will totally let them steer the conversation any which way they want to go. Hopefully I'll be able to get some funny comedians on here. I've been attempting to be one myself the last year and I've met a lot of great people in that circle of, uh, people. And, um, yeah, they'll be able to come on here and actually have interesting things to say. And normally I'd ask them to tell a story and I was thinking maybe I'd tell a story, but staying true to my nerdy dumb self i'm gonna talk about a bunch of other lame shit because i think the lame shit is more relevant and maybe some new users who are looking up random hashtags like morbius and the oscars and best of the decade and 2019 best movies maybe they'll randomly maybe they'll randomly listen to this please listen please clap um first on the agenda today underwater I got dragged underwater to go see this movie. Was it dead in the water? Find out. Glug, glug. Going to definitely mention the Oscar nominations. Probably do that before last. And then before that, just to make it confusing, after I do my review of Underwater, going to talk about this little Morbius trailer. I think I got some of that insight that you might not hear everywhere else. Uh, and then last we will, before the last thing, <laughs> keeping the confusing train going, choo choo, choo hoo, uh, gonna do my top films of the year 2019, it's surely going to be impressive and an acute analysis, if you will, um, and then last we're gonna do a list of the decade. And, uh, yeah, it's about it. So, um, Underwater, uh, not even going to bother to give you a rundown of the plot because the movie doesn't even really try to introduce a plot. Uh, just going to get this out the way. I don't think I'll have spoilers, but I'm just going to get right into it. This movie seems like it had in mind that this was always meant to be on TV. This is super TV friendly. It's edited in a way where it doesn't really matter what part of the movie you come into every scene is basically the exact same except some of these uninteresting characters are killed off one after another until uh there's just some of them left i guess not all the characters die i guess hashtag not a spoiler hashtag not interesting um i think all the characters in this movie suck uh i didn't like any of them 
It's a bad start to your movie when at the very beginning, just when it starts, I think, me, a dum-dum, who has, I guess if you don't know me, who has studied film and went to film school, yeah, guys, I'm a fucking actor. Uh, I saw this and I was instantly, I thought, which is, I rarely think this because I am a self-proclaimed idiot, I thought, man, I instantly could have made this better. And if you want proof, fine, I'll tell you the idea. Take this one for free, Hollywood. The movie tries to be epic in the beginning. Like, first of all, opening credits, trash. I'm so tired of seeing that 90s shit where it's like the opening credits over just random newspaper cutouts and pictures of radars. Like, oh my God, so boring. But then their first shot is the camera panning down on this long tube going into the water. Wouldn't it have been great if you had like, I don't know, nice little three-minute sequence uh, for your opening credits instead of showing me a bunch of nonsense. How about you just, you start the movie with, like, the pole in the water and you show it out the water. <gasps> oh, my God. The, the surface? Something the characters will never see. And you just pan the camera down because they tried to do this long take and it was, like, it was almost cool. I got what they were going for, but it was just um, too little too late at that point because... It was just boring, and you could have the names popping up, and, like, it didn't even look that good, so I didn't know why you were wasting your time with that. But if I had to say any positives about it, I think the costume design and a lot of the set design was really good. Like, someone had a good idea. This reminds me a lot of a movie I had an idea for, just... Oh, I'm going to make an homage to Aliens, and I'm going to take from all these other great iconic horror movies I love and make this movie. And I was never able to make said movie, and apparently it still hasn't been done with this underwater. Uh, I thought all the creature designs were pretty underwhelming. Like I said, the Gears of War Bioshock costumes were cool, and like the influence of that seemed nice. Could have swore at one point I saw Bioshock helmet. Uh, could be wrong. Maybe their shoulder pads just looked Bioshock-ish. Um, if you don't know what Bioshock is, it's about an underwater city. It's all this shit. Uh, but this this movie's stakes were kind of dumb because one of the first lines they say is, "Guys, if we go outside, like we'll last like two minutes." And then they open the door and one guy just explodes. I mean, the movie like moved fast when it felt like it, but it says that that it's very dangerous at first, and then immediately like they spend half the movie out there, and it's I had a hard time following what was going on, and nothing was happening. So. This is the definition of uh, a dad falls asleep movie. And he, he would watch it be like, oh yeah, at dinner, you know, everyone gets together when you are sadly dragged back to your family home and your dad's, mm, I saw this movie after a football game, it's called Underwater. It's pretty good, it's got monsters in it, I bet you'll love it. And, and you'd watch it and be like, yeah, that, was, that was boring. So uh, I give this a... Um, if you really want to see it, watch it on TV, but there is no point to go see this in theaters. Go see 1917 out of 10. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to give ratings on it, but that that felt pretty good. To not even put a number or any bullshit like that, I'm going to just give like a little sentence out of 10. Makes sense. So Underwater, do not recommend it. Not great. Your dad will love it, maybe. Uh needed an inspired director out of 10 uh movie almost had characters 
Uh, bummer. I, I like the last space movie I saw. Well, this isn't even space, but it's clearly like trying to subvert, you know, the whole alien in outer space, the whole creature. I forget what the movie was called. It was like the alien's name was Calvin or some shit with, uh, Ryan Reynolds. There's some movie he made. Just Google Ryan Reynolds space movie. And that was, that was okay. That was called like DNA or some, some fucking shit like that. Uh, Okay. Yeah, so next, uh, I wanted to originally record this uh, before I saw 1917, because I had high expectations for that movie, but I'm going to get into it a little bit later, but like, uh, spoiler, blew my expectations out the water. Uh, not a spoiler for the movie, obviously, but a uh, spoiler for this podcast, uh, definitely recommend that movie. Uh, but now, staying relevant, because... <laughs> We talk about things that people want to know about. Uh, should I do the Oscar nominations first? Should I do Morbius? Uh, you know what? Let's Morbius will probably be a little bit quicker. Let me just dive into that. So, just to be blunt with it, looks like you're taking Spider-Man and a vampire and injecting it with uh, some Batman. Or sorry, you're taking Spider-Man, injecting it with dracula and batman elements and maybe like a sprinkling of gambit for you those of you who don't know what i'm talking about gambit's a guy who has like i don't know psychic disappearing abilities you know what i'm not even thinking of him i'm thinking of the x-men character nightcrawler there was some strong nightcrawler-esque um i'm hashtag uh, uh trademark uh copyright that um, and hashtag trademark uh, Callahan Welsh for stealing his reference. If you don't know who that is, doesn't matter. Follow him. You're on Instagram. You're welcome. Uh, but staying focused on Morbius here, uh, I think this looks like uh, a spinoff of Venom, which if, for those of you who don't know, because and I hope most of you don't who are listening to this because you don't know me at all, um, Venom, I think, is uh, a horrible film that is so horrible it hits rock bottom and bounces back up to glory. It's one of those so bad it's great. Uh, it has it features way more things than I have time for to delve into about it that make it fantastic. And by fantastic, I mean terrible. Because if you think about how that is a Spider-Man movie, you'll just hate it. But if you think about how it's supposed to be a Spider-Man movie, but it's not and they still spent over $100 million making that, and they're proud of it, oh man, is it just a, a hoot in a handbag. Copyright that right there. Uh, but this, uh, this doesn't look as bad as Venom, because Venom is supposed to be like directly incorporated with Spider-Man, so this might have a chance of working, but this... This movie looks like this is the one where they took the extra step and they're they're really crowbarring their way into the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, all 20 of these movies that led up to Endgame. But there's little hints in there that maybe is a signal that like it's going to be Sony's bastardized version of it because they are definitely trying to pick up right where the last Spider-Man movie ended, Spider-Man Far From Home, which is a part of those movies. This might get confusing, so keep up with me. But this movie, Morbius, is definitely 
not quite in that universe because a Spider-Man uh, picture is visible in the background, which is definitely from the Sam Raimi movies that are from, like, you know, the mid-2000s from Spider-Man 2, and it says Murderer across there. And that is a reference to his last appearance in Far From Home. I know, I have no idea what I'm talking about. So it could be that they're trying to just like slowly edge their way towards it but the thing that is the real stamp of like this is connected to uh far from home and oh my god what is it called uh uh homecoming spider-man homecoming is the villain from spider-man homecoming uh played by michael keaton the vulture he shows up at the end of the trailer to say some smug bullshit and look at the camera and go waka waka so that might be a thing however Here's my little bit of insight that isn't going to take that long, but I thought that it would be worthy to spend the time to talk about it, so I'm going to. What if Morbius, hear me out, hot take, coming in, hot, hot, hot take. What if Morbius is the first step, or a prequel, if you will, for Blade, the vampire hunter? What if they're just setting up this cool little dumb character for a cooler actually good character to come in and kill him that would be as i sip my coffee that right there that would be a julian choice award type choice is that something i'm gonna say every week probably not or even ever again i don't know but i said it because that would make this movie interesting that would give morbius some sort of weight so I don't hate the trailer. Uh, it looks weird because there's all these different things in there uh, from all these different quote-unquote universes. But I like that the font of the movie is similar to Venom. I think it looks kind of shitty and has the potential to suck because like I always say and something I've never recorded on this podcast until now, so open up your ears. A great movie cannot be surpassed. Except if it's a really, really, really bad room-level movie. I don't know if I'll ever say it like that again, but like sometimes movies can suck so good. They can be so bad that they're so good. Okay, so the Morbius trailer, is it a prequel to Blade? Throw that rumor into the fucking mill. Hello, grind that shit up with your teeth and snort it. Next, uh, gonna be talking about the Oscar nomination. How long has this been recording for? Wow, we're about 20 minutes in, and yeah, that's that's pretty good, you know, because uh, doing getting quick in and out, bada bing, bada boom. Uh, so Morbius, not bad trailer. Thought the music was kind of corny, but. I'm sure I will see worse trailers this year. And and by worse, I definitely already have. So there's a chance that maybe it's worthy. I might see it. It definitely looks better than that Birds of Prey movie. I'm sorry. Send me all your hate mail. I think the Birds of Prey kind of looks bad. Uh, tell me what you think about that. Now, on to the Oscar nominations. It's a controversial year. Uh... There's some pretty big snubs, pretty disappointed, but at the same time, uh, ever since the Oscars gave three, or, god damn it, was it four Academy Awards to Bohemian Rhapsody? 
and they give one to uh, they gave one to Suicide Squad. I've been done with them. They have been just total disappointments. These Academy Awards and. A lot of these people have gone as far to say that they don't even really watch the movies. So, that that sucks, but here's my reaction to the Academy Award nominations to, uh, yeah, tw- of 2020. So, in the order on the website, performances, or performance by an actor in a leading role. The nominees, Antonio Banderas in Pain and Glory. Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Adam Driver in Marriage Story, Joaquin Phoenix in Joker, and Jonathan Price in The Dupops. Okay, well, be honest with you, haven't seen more than half of these. I've only seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Joker, and uh, I don't even think that uh, Leo should have gotten this nod. I think he's just getting it because he's Leo. I think there are other people who are way more deserving who could have filled that slot. I'm just going to run through this so I don't spend too much long. I'll jump back up real quick. Antonio Banderas, he's a great actor, has potential to be great in anything he does. Uh, Under My Skin or Mysterious Skin, I forget which one. No, not Mysterious Skin. It was Under My Skin or Under the Skin. Either way, really good movie, and I know he's in that uh, weird cover with Lady with a Wax Face. Uh, Haven't seen Marriage Story yet. I heard great things, but my parents told me they hated it, so sounds great. Uh, Definitely going to watch it soon. Maybe next time I record, or sometime in the future, I'll have something to say about it. Uh, Joker, loved it, saw it twice. Uh, I don't even look at that as a superhero property. I look at that as bitch-ass clown the movie. Goes back to classic cinema. Sad clown opening empty mailbox. Genius. Uh, I, I love watching the pathetic clown be pathetic and sad. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but I'm also a hopeless actor, so I'm definitely biased because uh, I'm myself a bitch-ass clown. And Jonathan Price, amazing actor. I love him in lots of things. Haven't seen The Two Popes yet. Looks uh, too uh, boring. Just kidding. Uh, but as far uh, before I even get to the next thing, uh, got to talk about the snubs. Uh, first of all, uh, best leading role they missed out. They could have, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Pain and Glory, Once Upon a Time, and The Two Popes. That could have been switched out with definitely uh, Willem Dafoe in The Lighthouse. Hark! What? You like me performance, don't you? Don't you? Because I'll tell you right now, uh, I like his performance as much as I like Lobster Not Made by him. Okay, because I love Willem Dafoe, but that motherfucker can't cook a lobster. That's a deep cut for anyone who's seen Lighthouse. Highly recommend that movie. He's amazing in it. One of the best movies of the year, for sure. Totally snubbed. Second one, uh, Eddie Murphy was phenomenal in uh, Dolomite Is My Name. I think the movie could have been better, but it's a solid film and a fucking amazing performance by him, and a comeback by Eddie Murphy. It's it's a total shame that they're totally not nominating any people of color, really. I mean, Antonio Banderas is definitely a minority, but there are no real people of color who are nominated, and that sucks, because that was a great performance by him, and he totally would have deserved even the win, because Eddie Murphy's a legend, whether you like it or not. Okay, bada-bing, bada-boom. You got Netflix to watch it, you don't. Sucks to be you. 
And the last, but certainly not least, Adam Sandler not getting nominated for Uncut Gems. Look, I don't know a lot of things, but I do know that Adam Sandler, Jim Carrey, these are very, very important legends in my life who inspired me to be the failure that I am today, okay? I have, I've lived long and hard to... Oh, that sounded so weird. But I've lived long and hard to be the person I am today, and I would not be said person if it wasn't for movies starring Norm MacDonald and uh, Adam Sandler, like Billy Madison, you know? I, movies like that inspired me to become the person I am today because there was a lot of, like, thought and passion beh- put behind those performances. And this is no different in Uncut Gems. Sidebar, I think the Safdie brothers are the best up-and-coming directors. They're going to one day make a movie that's not as great as this or Good Time, and the Academy's just going to give it to them because everyone's going to be like, uh, you dummies, uh, you got to award these guys. They're fucking amazing. So Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems, it, it's a crime that he wasn't nominated, and it fucking sucks because now he's going to give us Jack and Jill 2, Grown Ups 3, and God knows who what else. Because he said that if he doesn't get nominated for an Oscar or win, which is a bold thing to say, uh, he's going to go back and make bad movies. So that sucks. Okay, it, it sucks because he was really good in that movie and the Safdie brothers did a great job with it and it's not going to get that little gold man on the cover of it even though it deserves it. All right, and I'm probably going to bring up those movies again in the in the future, talking about this later on. Okay, performance by an actor in a supporting role nominees. Tom Hanks in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Didn't see it. My parents liked it. They recommended it to me. Heard a lot of good things. I hear that it's unconventional storytelling. Sounded kind of similar to that movie about uh, what a Sully, uh, about the, the airplane pilot guy. Because it was kind of like, woo, all over the place, kind of imaginary stuff happening. But Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, I'll catch it at some point, maybe. Sounds really neat. Uh, again, Anthony Hopkins and Two Popes, didn't see it, probably great. Now, Al Pacino and Joe Pesci in The Iron Man. Look, I haven't set aside eight days to watch this whole movie, okay? I bet that it is amazing. I think Martin Scorsese is an incredible filmmaker. Do I think that this nomination is also here because Martin Scorsese is a favorite of the Academy? 100%. I think that it's probably an amazing movie. I think people who tell me it's better than Goodfellas need to shut up because that's madness. But I'm sure that this is another movie that I'll eventually watch and I'll come back on here hopefully and be like, "Mm, yeah, it was pretty good. And then Brad Pitt and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Look, I'll be honest with you, spoilers, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is not on my top 10. However, I think that the film is definitely my honorable mentions. I truly enjoyed this movie when I watched it, and Brad Pitt was one of the highlights. And another note on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I don't give a shit uh, what Bruce Lee's daughter... Wait, is it Bruce Lee? Am I sounding super racist for just saying some other Asian actor... It's Bruce Lee, right? Yeah, he's in the movie. Like, it's, it's I'm gonna have to look it up here behind the scenes. Uh, Once upon a time, Hollywood, Bruce Lee. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's Bruce Lee. Uh, his daughter, look, the reason why I say I don't care that his daughter was upset is because of this. It's a fucking movie called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Even though the movie doesn't come across as a parody, as a parody, like in like full all caps, like a movie movie, it's still satire. And it's totally applicable to this movie because it's about fucking Hollywood. So I have no problem with that scene. I think that scene is really funny. It goes with the whole mood that the movie is going for, you know, Americana cinema. And it tells a nice story, and not every movie needs to be all in your face. And I, it's nice every once in a while for people to pull back, you know, the leash on Tarantino a little bit. And just to pull this full circle and get back to the topic at hand, topic at, topic at hand, Brad Pitt was my favorite thing about this movie. I think the relationship with him and his dog was adorable. I think that all the scenes with Brad Pitt were magnificently shot. He drove a car super well. I didn't mind the lady's dirty feet in the camera. Told me about her character. Uh, you don't have to like every image in every movie you see. Newsflash, everyone. But all the scenes with Brad Pitt, they were just so fun. It was like unexpected mo moments of heroism that they just so happen to catch him doing because he's doing mundane tasks, but he does it in a way where it's like, Jesus Christ, like, who is this guy? So I'll be happy if he wins uh, Best Supporting Role, but uh, I'm going to say that I think that Tom Hanks is going to probably pull this one off. But I wouldn't be surprised if they gave it to Joe Pesci just so he could go up there and say, thank you, and leave. Uh, so my vote is for Brad Pitt, but really this is anyone's game. And uh, my vote for uh, the lead performance, just because I didn't say it, it's Joaquin Phoenix, the Joker. Not really because I think it's the best I saw. I would give it to Adam Sandler uh, if it could be anyone. But I think that it's going to be uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker of the ones that are nominated. And I really think that he's definitely going to be the one who wins. Uh, performance by an actress in a leading role. Cynthia Erivo uh, in uh, Harriet. Uh, who is that? Is that a person of color? Is that the lead actress in Harriet? Let's find out real quick. Last minute research. Copy and paste in. Put it on the computer screen. Look at that, me showing my ignorance. It is the lead actress, so that's great. I heard a lot of really good things about uh, the movie Harriet. I also heard that it was kind of like Raven Simone's show, That's So Raven, when she would have like insight and be able to see into the future. So, I don't know. Uh, Scarlett Johansson and Marriage Story. Uh, did Again, haven't seen it, but I'll have something to say about her in a little bit. Swarzy Ronan and Little Women. Charlize Theron in Bombshell. Uh, and uh, Renee Ze Zellweger in Judy. Uh, haven't seen any of these movies. I've seen the play of Little Women. Uh, it's a great story. Uh, I really want to see Bombshell. Maybe I'll check it out. Charlize Theron's a great actress. I truly love her. She should have gotten a nomination for, uh, what's it called? For Mad Max Fury Road. She was the bombshell in that. Uh, but, uh, this is truly anyone's game. But, uh, I think Scarlett Johansson really has the best shot for taking home one of these Oscars because she got two nominations this year. So I'm going to say it depends uh, what box they're trying to check when they do uh, 
best leading role, but I think that there was at least one other snub. Uh, I hear Aquafina was really a standout this year, and honestly, like, uh, I haven't mentioned it yet because it hasn't come up yet, but the movie Parasite, God, are you tired? I'm getting tired of just fucking talking, but the movie Parasite, uh, that movie, all the actors should have gotten nominations. Uh, I'm not even going to pretend like I know them or just bother looking them up. They're all great. Uh, definitely go see Parasite. Uh, okay, on to the next category. Moving, moving right along. Uh, performance by an actress in supporting role nominees. Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell. And Richard Jewell, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson in Rojo Rabbit, or <laughs> Rojo Rabbit, in Jojo Rabbit, uh, Florence Pugh in Little Women, and Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Uh, not gonna extend this out any longer than it has to be. Uh, I think Scarlett Johansson is a fucking shoe in for this. I, I not only think that she's really great in Jojo Rabbit, but I think that her role is pivotal for why that movie works. Uh, she is a really important pillar in the storytelling of that movie because the energy is real high in that movie and her character really delivers and pushes it over the edge to make it great. Uh, whereas if she wasn't there giving the great performance that she was... I don't think that this movie would be as memorable as it is. So definitely recommend Jojo Rabbit, and I think my vote is for Scarlett Johansson in this. Next, on to the next category, Best Animated Feature Film of the Year nominees. How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World, didn't see it, don't care. I lost my body, what? Uh, Klaus, look, controversial, hot take. I, I, don't, I don't care about Christmas. I really like the animation for that movie. Bah humbug, dude. Didn't think it was great. I really don't think this movie's as great as everyone says. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought it was meh. It was fine. Missing Link, didn't see it. Uh, heard great things. I think the animation is beautiful. Toy Story 4. Uh, I hear conflicting things. I hear some people saying, eh, it's fine. It's Toy Story 4. And I hear other people saying, man, it's... It is Toy Story 4, but, like, shit, it's pretty good. Uh, so, I mean, the likely thing is Toy Story 4, just pulling it out. But Missing Link won the Golden Globe, so that might be the favorite. But I'm going to vote for Klaus or I Lost My Body because I know that Klaus was a Netflix movie. And uh, I Lost My Body, I've never even heard of that. So more, more hope for the underdog. Uh, achievement in cinematography, uh, The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, I'm gonna just go in, like, I'm gonna just cut out things that I think deserve it. So, honestly, it, cut out everything except The Lighthouse in 1917. This is, they are fucking neck and neck, these two movies. Both are so beautiful. I think 1917 has the edge. I think that's what's gonna win. My vote is, though, for Lighthouse. If I could choose, I'd be like, go the Lighthouse. Praise, praise, praise that movie as much as I can. Achievement in Costume Design nominees, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Man, uh, I was pretty bummed out when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won all the Golden Globes it did. I don't think it was the best written movie of the year by far. I really don't. Uh, Jojo Rabbit was, had some really neat costumes. I don't want to give it to Joker. 
I bet they worked really hard on the costumes in Little Women, but my pick, honestly, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I think the costumes were phenomenal. I had a really wide range of stuff from westerns to just street clothes to just dirty clothes. So I would say I my pick would be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, even though it's kind of like uh, a, what's it called, like a played out pick, if you will. But uh, I think Little Women could really pull it off. But uh I wouldn't be surprised if any of these won. They they all have beautiful costumes. I bet the Irishman has amazing uh, design of everything. Achievement in directing nominees, the Irishman, no. Just because Martin Scorsese needs to shut up a little bit. And if you're going to have an opinion on a movie, fucking watch it, man. Don't, don't tell me you got it, and I know it, it was inspired by your work, but at least be humble enough to go just check it out. Like, it's... It's fine. Like, I thought it was kind of neat. Uh, oh shit. I spun to try and check, uh, subtly how long we're at here. Okay, we're at 35 minutes. This is good. We're probably gonna run each episode for an hour. Uh, let's see. Lost my spot. Best animated feature. Achievement in cinematography. Uh, did that one... Didn't I? No. Did I, did I skip that? Did I skip cinematography? No one's going to answer me, so I don't know why I'm asking. Oh, no, I didn't. I said The Lighthouse. That's right. Costume design. I said Little Women. Okay. Uh, achievement in direction. So, Martin Scorsese? No. Uh, Joker? I would want that to win just to upset my friends who give me shit about uh, liking that movie. 1917? Definitely deserves it. A fucking contender. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, absolutely not. Do not give Quentin Tarantino any more awards. Parasite, two thumbs up. Hell yeah. So for me, this is between 1917 and Parasite. Both are equally deserving. I think, again, 1917 edges it out just a tiny bit. But absolutely, 1917, Joker, or Parasite, totally happy with those. Best documentaries, let me just skim these. I have no idea. I'm going to say Honeyland, shoe in <laughs> No clue. My money's on Honeyland, okay, honey? Uh, documentary short subject? Yeah, no idea. In the absence, you fucking go. Achievement in film editing? Ford vs. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Paris... What the fuck, man? You didn't nominate 1917? Movie is crazy well edited. Uh, I love the way that uh, Joker was edited. Uh, I bet The Irishman, as long as it is, has some pretty good cuts. And I bet Ford versus Ferrari is really well, well edited because it's a fast-paced movie about racing. has to be well cut together or it'll look like shit. So uh, my vote is for, I think that one really could pull it out and be a big upset. But I could see them giving this Parasite to get that out of the way to give it some awards. Best international feature, uh, again, haven't seen most of these. I'm just going to say Parasite. Totally deserves it. I think it's slightly overrated from what everyone is saying. I don't think it's the best of the year, but I think it's very, very good. And side note, as far as uh, foreign films that should be nominated, uh, the movie Climax. Incredible film. Gus Baldinoe, director, guy who made Irreversible. Highly recommend Climax. It's on Amazon Prime. If you have that, you want to see some real shit, some real spooky stuff, a really amazing film, definitely watch Climax. It'll blow your mind. Huge snub of this year. So for Best International Film, my pick is Climax, man, but that's not nominated. So we go on Parasite. Hope you're enjoying me touching my coffee cup.
Okay, next. Achievement in makeup and hairstyling, Bombshell Joker, Judy Maleficent, <laughs> Mistress of Evil, 1917. Absolutely goes to 1917, no doubt. Uh, I wonder how much Disney had to pay for that nomination. I don't know what Judy is. Joker looked cool. Bombshell, yeah, dude, they look like they were working on Fox News. They all look like plastic Barbie dolls, so I wouldn't be surprised if that won either. Uh, but yeah, 1917. Achievement in music written for motion picture, original score. Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917. <laughs> Rise of the Skywalker. Absolutely not. I don't know why that's even nominated. Why would they nominate commercials for movie like awards? It's so weird. Um, I'm going to give this one to 1917, man. It was just so amazing. Joker has some awesome music. I don't care what anyone says. I really enjoyed the music in it. Highly, highly recommend. Uh, achievement in music for written, achievement in music written for motion picture, original songs, uh, uh, not Frozen 2, original song for Harriet. Damn, they might give that the pity award. Uh, I'll say Rocket Man. I heard amazing things about it. I can't let you throw yourself away. I didn't know that Randy Newman wrote another song for Rocket or <laughs> Rocket Man Four, uh, but Toy Story Four? No, man, don't give that anything. Uh, are we really at the best motion picture of the year? Okay, Ford versus Ferrari. Really? Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. Uh, I really think Joker's going to pull it out. Uh, Parasite could get it, but honestly, uh, 1917 is, uh, is a shoo-in. It's, it's a classy film. It's, it's about war. It really goes back to a, an old era of film. It references, like, all the movies, you know, that the classics that everyone who really loves film, I think you'll be able to notice. Or if you studied it, you'll you'll see references to things. Not to spoil anything, I won't even mention what I'm spoiling. But it's it's not, you know, just like Saving Private Ryan stuff like that. It it goes way beyond just like simple war film references. I mean, uh, 1917 is truly truly a tour de force of a film that just. It checks every box, and to quote something I read online, I think it's the best movie I've ever seen in my life. I don't know. But uh, yeah, definitely best film of the year that I've seen, besides Climax, but 1917 is right behind Climax uh, tickling its butt. Uh, okay, but again, Joker made a lot of money. I could see it happening. Achievement in, pro uh, in production design... Uh, the Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. Dude, 1917 is going to sweep, man. The movie was gorgeous. It looked Hollywood in the best way possible because the writing was so tight, the direction was so smart, it moved at a brisk pace, and it never held the camera on anything it did not want you to see, which made the whole thing feel extremely grounded while still larger than life, which is what you want a movie to be. So 1917 for set direction, but all of these nominees could take it because they were all beautiful looking, man. Um, best animated short film nominees. Uh, go Kitbull. Next, live action. Go Brotherhood, bro. Uh... Achievement in sound editing, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker 1917, Once Upon a Time, 
in Hollywood and Star Wars Rise, Rise of the Skywalker. Um, I don't know. Uh, I would give Rise of the Skywalker uh, best aliens in a jar, but uh, I, I think Ford versus Ferrari again. Like this would be their surprise awards for them to win. But again, man, Joker had amazing sound, but dude, 1917 blew my ears mind. So all these movies are contenders for sure, at least as far as the ones I've seen. 1917, Joker, Once Upon a Time, the totally contenders. And I've seen Star Wars, but don't give that movie anything. Uh, so I'm going to say 1917, man. Uh, hopefully I don't sound like a broken record, but I probably will because 1917 got a lot of nods. Uh... Achievement in Sound Mixing nominees. Let me take a swig of coffee. Brought to you by my cup. There's coffee in my cup. There could be in yours too. Back to the thing. Uh, best Sound Mixing, Ad Astra, Ford vs. Ferrari, Joker, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, this is another one of those awards. They might need to redo these awards because it's like, mm, they're, they're like, like five too many sound awards. Either way. I'm going to just say Ad Astra because I like that movie a lot. I put it in my top 10 spoilers. But, man, it's cool, dude. Like, it's a cool movie. I, I think that it's fun. I think people don't give it enough credit. I, I think that it's worth your time. You should check it out. And I like the underlying message to it. But I think that 1917, once again, is going to take it. Achievement in visual special effects. Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, Lion King... <laughs> 1917, and oh my god, Rise of of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker. Not The Skywalker, but it's a more fitting title, The Skywalker. Anyway, uh, my vote is for Avengers Endgame, because give that shit something, man. You gave something to DC that they didn't deserve. Give Endgame something they deserve. Uh, I will be pissed if The Lion King wins anything. I think that that movie is horrible. Uh, I, I don't like anything about that. I don't think that movie should exist. On paper, when I was 12, I thought that was a genius idea. Seeing it in my mid-20s come to life, uh, I have not stopped having nightmares about it. Rise of Skywalker, I thought, looked like shit. I was incredibly disappointed with everything about that movie. It just I think it looks awful. I mean, I'm sorry, I didn't even mean to call it a movie that commercial. But nothing for Rise of Skywalker. Absolutely nothing. So... You could give it to uh, 1917 because that movie, I didn't feel like there were any computer effects during it the whole time, and there very well could have been. But uh, Masterpiece uh, cannot praise that movie enough. So my vote is to Avengers Endgame. I think 1917 is going to be coming up there to a point where people are going to get sick of it. Adapted screenplay nominees, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Two Popes. Well, Little Women is a play, and it's a great screenplay, so that could very well win. Give this one to the Irishman, you know? But again, I think Joker could pull it out. But all of these are serious contenders. Uh, My vote is probably for Joker. Best Original Screenplay nominee. Knives Out, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. This is a tough one. Okay, I hear great things about all of these scripts. Marriage Story is the only one I haven't seen. I think that they're going to give this one to Knives Out just because everyone liked that movie. I think it's the best Thanksgiving movie, not about Thanksgiving, but, you know, it's kind of like evokes that whole, like, hey, family is unwillingly together. That's fun. And a mystery. Woo! Like, 
the mystery of where's that airplane sound coming from. I don't know. I don't even know if the mic picked that up because I'm reading stuff. But either way, I think that Knives Out should win this. Again, I think 1917 is going to get this or they're just going to have their Tarantinos in their mouth and they're going to go, what the fuck out of Hollywood? But maybe they'll do the right thing and give it to Parasite. And uh, thank God, that's that's the end of my list. Um, so I think that uh, it's hopefully going to be better than last year. I am still really pissed about Bohemian Rhapsody. But, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I won't be uh, super sad about it. But uh, let me just look at my list real quick. We're going to count together. Okay, you ready? Just start counting. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Okay, so this is my top 12, technically 13, of 2019. I'm going to pause for an applause break because you're clapping right now. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. Please, please. Hold your applause. Okay, shut up. Number 11 on this list, because there's technically... Okay, I'm going to just... These numbers are confusing. But uh, number 13, right? I'm going to... Oh, I can't even change the numbers because I copy and paste from something dumb. Okay, number 13. Let's see if I can do it like this. Okay, number 13. Hold on, I'm going to write a note next to it. 13. Okay, number 13, I briefly mentioned this movie, Knives Out. Okay, this is the beginning of my list. 2019, the best movie, movie, movies I saw, saw, saw. All right, number 13, Knives Out. Uh, wow, Ryan Johnson really knows how to make a movie when you don't force lightsabers up his butt. Crazy what he's capable of. I really like Daniel Craig in this movie. I'd like to see more with him playing that character of... Matt LeBlanc, or whatever his name was, the detective. Thought that was a lot of fun. I hope that they're not, like, you know, a slave to making a sequel to this. I don't need to see any other characters. This could be a prequel, a sequel long in the future. Either way, I hope to see more of that character. I thought Knives Out was a really nice movie. Before I continue to number 12, honorable mention, probably my number 14, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It, it's a really nice throwback, okay? Like, I really like uh, the style of the movie. And again, it's nice to see Tarantino on a leash and not abuse the N-word in his movies. Anyway, and by the N-word, I mean neglectful. Because that's what his filmmaking can be when he doesn't have a leash on him. Thank you, hold your applause for the end. Number 12, Ad Astra. You know... Not everyone likes these sanitized Stanley Kubrick-esque movies, but when you try to make a grounded movie about some guy going deep, deep, deep into outer space and it opens him on a commercial flight to the moon and he buys a blanket for $130, bro, I'm in. Especially after you have like some intense action scene where he's working on a satellite that goes all the way up to outer space. Bro, there's a lot of cool scenes in this, and I'm not going to spoil any more of it, but that was the first 15 minutes. And there's cool stuff in this movie. Some people have called this a perfume commercial in outer space. Uh, maybe they should stop smelling their farts if they're so used to smelling things. But uh, Ad Astra, add that to your playlist of movies. Boom! Nailed it. Number 11, Avengers Endgame. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this, what hasn't already been said. Open my coffee for easier access for my mouth. 
Uh, I think that it's really incredible that Marvel was able to stick the landing of making a series of 20 movies. I got exactly what I wanted from this movie, even though I knew how, how it ended. I still had a blast watching it because it felt like a nice enough bow wrapping of the end of all these characters, bringing everything to character, uh, everything together for a solid ending. Even though technically the next Spider-Man movie is technically the end of that, and I get why they do that, why they say that at least. I like that movie perfectly fine, but this one, if I was going to have one superhero movie on this list, I just think that this, this is so satisfying. It's fun. It does it does everything that Martin Scorsese says these movies don't do. So I remember re-watching it when I was seeing it. I think it was my third time watching it. I was watching it with my roommate. And we were just... At one point, like, I said to him, I was like, man, I don't know what Scorsese is talking about. And it was after this uh, one of the scenes with Robert Downey Jr. and his daughter. And he looks over and he's like, man, I was just thinking that. These characters are so human. <laughs> it was funny that we had a human moment over this superhero bullshit that I was told had none of those. So, Endgame, if you go through all the movies that really matter, like, you can skip probably some of them, but if you watch all of these, man, you're in for a little bit of a ride. Mm. <clears throat> oh my god, almost choked. Alright, thanks for almost doing me a favor, uh, Starbucks. Uh, next. Um, okay, number 11. Wait, really? 13. 12, 11, no. 11 was Endgame. Number 10, Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit, uh, I think, is a great Mel Brooks-style movie. Not a musical, but I think that the sense of humor that this movie has is wonderful. I've heard of some people being offended by it, and if you told me that you were offended by this movie, I may not have said this to you, but... I'm offended by your lack of intelligence and your lack of ability to just notice when something is being parody and when something is being insulting. So I think that this movie is really informative. I think it makes a lot of statements on today. And much like another movie that I will mention uh, later on, I think that like War, the movie kind of toughens up as it goes and I think that I think this is a great movie for kids to watch with their parents. Uh, I don't know how young, but the movie's PG thirteen, and it it pulls pieces from a lot of other war movies that you've seen, but it executes them in a way that you really it really brings you down to its level, and or comes down to your level to talk to you, and it doesn't like look at you like you're an idiot. It's just trying to inform you. And great movie, really love it. Jojo Rabbit, highly recommend it, and it's it's an Oscar nominee, so you know it's got to be good. Mm. Coffee is done, so you know what that means. Uh, the list it continues. I don't know if that'll pick up, but Bane is here. Okay, away with you, Cup. Number number uh, thirteen, twelve, eleven, ten. Number nine. I'm gonna put a nine there so I can remember. Uh, Midsummer. Uh, I, I love this movie. To describe it uh, as quickly and simple as possible, the movie is metal as fuck, okay? The movie is just fucking bad ass. It was, it was just awesome. I, another movie that I knew exactly where it was going to go because I've seen the original Wicker Man 
which is phenomenal. But this is like, what if the Wicker Man was Swedish and sounded German, I guess, yeah. Uh, but that's not the point. Um, Midsummer is fantastic. And uh, I highly recommend it. Emphasis on the high. <laughs> um, I think that this movie is trippy as hell. Uh, it's a ride. Super metal. Uh, I thought it was really spooky. And I really found it scary by the end of everything. Like, when it all comes together before it ends, I was hooked. I was in it to win it. And it, it even surprised me a little bit. Because I was genuinely scared by it. And I love when a movie can do that. Because that's the point of a movie, man. If it can't change your emotional state, then you might as well masturbate. <sighs> Copyright. Trademark. Uh, next, number eight. Joker. I already told you I'm a sad bitch-ass clown. Joaquin Phoenix was playing a sad bitch-ass clown. I loved it. I think that this is a movie that anyone who is mature enough can enjoy. If you go in expecting this to be the DC property, you're going to be disappointed, okay? This is a movie about an actor with mental, like, <laughs> with mental health problems. All right? You've already heard it's made a billion dollars. You've probably seen it. All right, num number seven, Parasite. Although not my favorite of the year, I really think it's a special movie. Uh, I think it, it has a great story it's trying to tell, and it makes a great statement about, you know, different levels of people have in society. Definitely not to be missed. I'm really glad that foreign films are really coming to the forefront. Some of the best for, uh, films I've ever seen are foreign films. Shout out to Juan, and uh, it's not my favorite. I Or the, uh, wait, what's it called? Uh, is it just called? No, it's not called. Juan is the grudge. And then the other one is, uh, what is it, Grudge, and what's the name of that fucking movie with the long, someone, the, uh, no, that's the Grudge. Uh, the one where the, the person comes through the TV with the long hair, someone is screaming it right now, I could look it up, I know that, I think it was Gore Verbinski who, who made that movie pause right here on parasite what was that other damn movie either way uh i'll just look it up later and i'll be sad i wasn't able to remember it now even though i'm trying to kill time and remember it ah uh, what is it what's that movie? i gotta look it up horror movie seven days it's right on the tip of my tongue what the fuck is it oh my god the ring yeah ringu duh ringu some of the Ringu and Juan, some of the best foreign films I've ever seen in my life, including the movie Wreck, which highly recommend it. Way better than the remake, the American remake Quarantine, and uh, another one, Train to Busan. Get the fuck on that train if you haven't gotten on it. Back to the list. Nine, eight, seven, number six. Okay, we're moving and grooving through this list. Uh, there's going to be some sp like twists in this list, so you'll find out that we're closer to the bottom than you think. Uh, alright, number, wait, no, that's not six, I don't know why I gave these lists so much, like, all these fucked up numbers, but, uh, I guess eight, yeah, eight, seven, six, okay, number five, uh, this isn't number, I, I don't know why I did this like this, number five, Uncut Gems, uh, Safdie Brothers are my favorite working directors, they're up there with Sam Raimi and James Gunn. I think that they have a unique vision. They they embody a lot of the experimental directors that I really love. Uh, what's his name? Oh, my God. 
uh, uh, what's this? Oh my God. How, how am I forgetting like my, my favorite director of all time? Oh my God. He directed black ice. You have no idea who he is. What the fuck? Oh, it's on the, it's on the tip of my tongue. It's a French name that I can never spell black ice short film. It is directed by what is his fucking name? Stan Brackage. God, fuck me for not being able to remember that. Yeah, Uncut Gems. Look up Black Ice by Stan Brackage. Colorful imagery, you know, seems almost like nonsense. Really cool stuff. I think Uncut Gems is really good. Not as good as Good Time, but few movies are as good as that. And I hint, hint, we'll talk about that during my list of the best of the decade, 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 time check, time check, time check. We're an hour in. Oh boy. This is going to be a long one, folks. Maybe split this up into two parts. Probably not because I'm lazy. Whoop, whoop. Uh, ooh, don't quote Juggalos, but if you're Juggalo, please keep listening. Uh, number, oh boy, uh, number four, even though I guess I'm going to yeah, that's the way this is going to go. Number four, 1917. Even though I only really have three more spots on my list. 1917. What a fucking masterpiece. No exaggeration. I'm not going to say anything about it. Hasn't been out long enough for me to do any sort of spoiler on it yet. I cannot recommend this enough. Uh, the only thing I would say is if you're squeamish, be careful. There is some graphic imagery in it, but... Uh, you, I implore you to try to get past that because it is phenomenal. There, uh, one of the best movies without a doubt I've seen in the last twenty years. Sam Mendes proved to me that he's one of the best directors who ever lived. I would love to see this guy make some sort of video game movie because he clearly understands how those, uh, how the imagery and how a story should move in correlation games because. This pulls a lot from games like Gears of War because the camera angles and things like Call of Duty, the old original ones, because of a lot of the designs. I mean, there's a lot of shots that feel very similar to that, again, because of the one-take nature, but cannot recommend this enough. Brilliant, brilliant movie. So good. Now, the only thing... This is really my number one movie, okay? But there's technically two more that I put above that, but that's a joke, okay? Spoiler, it's not funny because I told you. I don't give a fuck. Um... Climax, my number one movie of the year. Gaspar Noé made a fucking masterpiece. This is one of those rare times where I had an idea for a movie that wasn't like, you know, it wasn't concrete. It wasn't maybe even 100% complete, but it was my idea. And I was like, yeah, this will be great. And I knew that like when I was ready to make that movie many years later in my life from now, I would have changed the idea, but that went you know, down the tubes when I finally saw this movie, Climax, which again, available on Amazon Prime, and I said, fuck, this is that idea. This is a French movie that, again, don't be afraid of that one-inch wall and hurdle you gotta get over to watch, but it's a movie about these dancers who are brought in the middle of nowhere, a lot of communication through dance and character development through dance, which is absolutely incredible, and it, it, uh, it has long dance sequences, and the whole plot, all you need to know is all these dancers brought together, and someone spikes the punch after they've worked all along dancing. Now, number one and number two on this list, technically, even though Climax is my real number one. Nope. But the number number one tie between Rise of the Skywalker and Cats. Now, I'm actually going to go see Cats for a second time today in about an hour, and I'll be honest with you, 
I uh, I can't wait. It's again, I love watching disaster, and there is nothing like watching someone fall on their face with hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, I think Cats is a horrendous mistake. It's something that should have never happened. I've seen the musical uh, off Broadway at the Kennedy Center in Washington D.C., and then on Broadway or on or right off Broadway in New York City. And uh, I love I love it on stage, but once you take away the magic of people singing and dancing in fur coats, it kind of loses a lot of magic and isn't nearly as special. But when you turn them into CGI monsters, aha, then you make something kind of special. Um, this is the nightmare that keeps on giving. Uh, normally when you see something that's strange and weird, your eyes will kind of adjust. Your eyes never adjust. You never get used to it. It's super flawed. Hopefully when I see it today, I don't see the quote-unquote improved version because the day I went to the theater uh, the first time to see this, uh, where it was a blast, maybe the best theater experience I've ever had in my life. Uh, people were handing out edibles in the theater. People were going, boo dogs, go cats. They were clapping for songs. I was making jokes by, I think I tested the waters by making a fart noise during a trailer and people laughed. So I was like, okay, this is going to be that kind of movie. Or even a part where someone was, some of the singing was not very good. And I was like, eh. And that people were laughing at that. Or even, I'll be honest with you, there's one time in this movie, it made me scream. And people screamed along with me and we had a blast. So if you can see Cats by the time you hear this still, I mean, definitely rent it if you have to, but go see this in theaters. We, Even though this movie is bad, it is legitimately bad. However, we have to praise when they take risks, okay? Because the next movie I'm going to talk about is the opposite of a fucking risk. It is the commercial known as Star Wars Rise of the Skywalker. Okay, sorry. The Rise of Skywalker. I even have it written down wrong in my notes. Whoo! What a piece of shit. I mean, this this movie is... Inc sorry, I keep calling it a movie. This is the greatest commercial I've ever seen made. I'm going to make this quick, okay? This is a bit, so if you ever see me say this on stage, please don't spoil it and heckle me and not laugh. Please laugh. Please clap. Okay? This is the greatest commercial that was ever shot. They advertised to me toys, uh, like action figures, lightsabers... Going beyond that, costumes, which will be available year-round, emphasize for Halloween boys and girls buying props, and it advertises a theme park. It is footage that will be reused for theme park rides. I mean, let's be clear, guys. This is not a movie, but it advertised more, than, more to me than I could have ever expected. Like I said on my Instagram post, I'm super stoked that I got the uh, collectible... Uh, popcorn container aka the collectible metal garbage can uh it, it this is legendary uh, never in a million years did i think that star wars would get to a place where i legitimately am turned off by the idea of another star wars movie uh this is a huge wasted opportunity and it really leaves an impression on you i think and and if you want to defend that that's fine but Please be ready to back it up, because if you just tell me that you like it, I'm going to think that you're stupid. Because if you tell me that it's very flawed and that you still like it and I should go fuck myself, I'm going to be like, wow, I'm sorry that I brought these insecurities out of you. I'm just trying to have a dialogue and see where you're coming from, because shit, man, 
I was there and I laughed at this movie because I think Kylo Ren's an an amazing figure skater, but it is not worth the price of admission. Rise of the Skywalker is the greatest commercial of all time. I thought about going to see it again, but then I was like, wait, I cannot give money to this or even take from my pass of my AMC stubs, rewards. So uh, Rise of Skywalker, greatest commercial of all time. Uh, what are we at? We're at one minute. One, <laughs> we're, we're at one minute here. Um, one hour and eight minutes and five seconds. Six. <clears throat> oh, blah, blah, blah. My butt is getting kind of numb. So I'm going to just really quick uh, do my rundown of my real top 10 of uh, the uh, decade here. Okay. <clears throat> so this is going to be the last thing I do. Thank you so much for listening. If you got this far, there is more to come. <laughs> Catch my breath. Um, I'm hopefully going to release this with at least one more episode. At least one more. I'm going to try to have three available for you so I can really get you addicted, slapping your, your elbow, you know, your inner elbow for more of that uh, heroin crack that my voice shall become for you. But really quick, let's get into it. List of the, the decade. <clears throat> Okay, number 10, Super, movie with Rain Wilson, huge Oscar movie that was nowhere to be found on the nominees list, so many great actors, too many names, because I want to get through this quick, I think that James Gunn got the Guardians of the Galaxy, which for anyone who's curious, my favorite MCU movie is Guardians of the Galaxy 2, I love a great comedy, and that's a reference to the 80s, and it references all my favorite movies. For all of you that don't know, Evil Dead 2 is one of the greatest motion pictures ever made. I got an Evil Dead tattoo on the back of my leg. Okay, Conda Estrada, here we go. Number 9, uh, Babadook. Babadook, Duke, Duke. I, I think that uh, not enough people give this movie praise. People are always trying to tell me, but this is directed by a woman. But this is that. It's like, yeah, Babadook, Australian female-directed movie about a woman. Look, I can't praise this movie enough, uh, but the one person I want to give a shout-out to, and uh, shout-out again, I forgot to mention this, uh, backtrack, note for the editor who doesn't exist, uh, Lighthouse, shout-out to the Seagull Wrangler, because in Babadook, uh, another random person to give a shout-out to, whoever did that work for the hair in that movie, oh my god. You're amazing. The subtlety of the change in that movie, of the lead character's hair, brilliant. And if you don't know what the Babadook is about, imagine not being able to go to sleep. Try and think of something scarier. Okay? The only thing I got is a xenomorph, and that's not real, but that's a story for another time. Number nine, Mad Max Fury Road. Briefly mentioned this earlier. I think this movie is incredible. It takes a lot of inspiration from modern media, you know, taking uh, back to the old school movie itself of Mad Max and really emphasizing its budget and using the whole thing. And it is just a treat, to a visual treat. I mean, it it is amazing from start to finish. Uh, the message is there. Can't praise this enough. I'm glad it got some Oscar buzz, and it is definitely my number seven. Number six, right? Yeah, that's how numbers work. Number six, Birdman. I think Michael Keaton's amazing. I love Beetlejuice. I wore out a, VH t- a VHS tape of it growing up. 
Birdman is like the sequel of uh, what happened to Michael Keaton's Batman if he was a self-aware character in a movie. This is a movie that shouldn't exist, and it does. It's a really great thing. I'm glad that I got to see it in theaters. Can't recommend it enough. Don't want to spoil anything about it. Next, my number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, I guess I have way too many movies on this list for my top 13 of the decade. I don't know. I can't count, guys. Uh, so I'm going to just say, Sorry to Bother You is next on my list. Uh, like a spiritual successor to Idiocracy, and I think that this would make a great double feature with Idiocracy. If you haven't seen it, highly recommend that movie as well. Best movie that oh, that guy, whoever directed Office Space, has made since then. I'm sorry, I forget your name. I love you. King of the Hill guy, he's great. Um, after, sorry to bother you. Super, super funny movie. Uh, don't want to say anything about it. Just go watch it. I thought I had seen it because I had seen the trailers a million times, but every scene surprised me more than the last. Can't praise the movie enough. And plus, super, super funny with a nice message in there. Uh, just talked about this movie. Going to force, or sorry, not yet. Next movie on the list is Upgrade. Imagine they found a way to do the best possible remake of RoboCop, and that would be Upgrade. What a phenomenal movie. Can't praise this movie enough. I fucking love it. Lee something with a W. Whitnell, I think is his last name. I don't know. He is another one of my favorite working directors. He has me super excited for the Invisible Man uh, movie coming out soon. Please check out Upgrade. Amazingly directed action movie. Cannot praise it enough. Absolutely adore that movie. One of my favorite movies, if not my favorite, the year it came out. Next on the list, 1917. Bro. This movie is crazy. It is so well-directed. Talked about it already a little bit, but I'm going to go see it again this week. I tried to record this before I saw it so it didn't poison my mind and I wouldn't be going like, oh my God, it's amazing, but like, oh my God, it's amazing. Go see it. All right, get out of here. Uh, next on the list is Whiplash. I, that's just, that movie, it's great for a lot of reasons. All the performances are great. I totally buy it. I've always wanted to be a drummer, but that movie plays with sound in a way that I really had never noticed before seeing that, and it just like blew my mind. And the thing I'm talking about is, in movies, you have diegetic and non-diegetic sound. Diegetic is sound that the uh, characters can hear. Non-diegetic is sounds they can't hear. And this movie plays with that, where there's a point where it's like, okay, is he listening to music while hearing music that's in his head? Is it a blend of the two? Oh, such an amazing movie. Next, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, Good Time. Directors of, uh, of uh, Uncut Gems, what an amazing movie. It'll convince you Robert Pattinson from Twilight as a real actor. And the Safdie brother who plays uh, the, the brother who's on the spectrum knocks it out of the park this guy does one of those in performances that they call impossible where he plays someone on the spectrum and it's 100 percent believable i mean somehow you have a character like that and you can incorporate them in physical comedy and have things that are really dark on one level but if you watch it again you can appreciate it on a different level where it's like man these guys as fucked up as it might be to say are kind of stupid and it's it's amazing to watch for upper pants and again like that I, I love you after this one, man. Like, nothing but respect. I think Robert Pattinson is an amazing uh, 
actor. Like, I think that this is what will give him the ability. Like, after this, this proves that he has the ability to play Batman, 100%. But now onto the one that I thought I was going to talk about before I brought up a good time. Exit through the gift shop. In college, I was fucking obsessed with this movie. I don't have a lot to say. I mean, I have a lot to say about it, but I don't want to poison your mind with it. All I'll say is that if you have any sort of interest in street art or graffiti, you have to go watch this. This is about a guy who, for whatever reason, he legit... And this is a documentary, and what I believe to be an actually real found footage movie, which is pretty cool. Some people believe it's fake, but that's another story for another time. Uh, this guy becomes obsessed with just filming every day of his life, every moment, and he has no focus, really. And then he starts finding street art, because one of his cousins is a street artist known as Space Invader, and then he discovers Obey, created by the one and only Shepard Fairey. And this movie, folks, is directed by Banksy. If you don't know who Banksy is, pull that Google machine out of your pocket and look it up and get cultured, because he is one of the most important artists of all time! Okay, before last movie on this list, Anomalisa. Forget the director off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure it's from the writer of uh, Adaptation. I love this movie. Imagine if uh, they took the most serious moments of uh, Team America and it wasn't a satire and it was about this egotistical author who thinks every person looks the same and only likes to sleep with his fans. This movie blew my mind. I I love this movie, like, relentlessly recommend it. And just to give you an example of why I think this movie is amazing, what makes a movie really good is when you have that attention to detail. And being that this is a stop-motion movie, it's really hard to try and add in those natural, quote-unquote, mistakes that you would, like, pray for to happen when you're shooting a movie to get that so-called quote-unquote best take and there's a lot of scenes and a lot of moments i can mention but i think the most general one i could mention will give you the idea of what i'm really talking about is you know the uh someone is flustered and they have a bag over their shoulder and the strap of the bag grabs onto the armchair of the arm of the chair when they're getting up they stop motion animated that so they plan for that unplannable moment and Every single scene, slapping my hands for emphasis, sorry about that, sounded kind of loud, but they actually have all those attention to detail moments. So go see Anomalies if you haven't seen it. I don't know where it's available, but that is like top of my list of movies I need to buy on Blu-ray. And my number one, Climax. I mentioned it before. That is definitely theatrically released, best of the decade, without a doubt. Climax. I've said enough about it. Movie where people communicate through dance, absolutely brilliant, super artsy fartsy, lots of farts, loved it, but not as many farts as The Lighthouse. And, but, so, surprise number one, the real number one, and where we're gonna end this, folks, is my movie, Monkey with a Gun. Shout out to myself making that bullshit years ago. If you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. There's multiple stupid versions for you to watch. I'd love you to tell me how much you hated it. It's a movie I made in college at York University with my buddy John Graham Salvatera, who you may hear on here at some point. We were going to start a podcast called No, No, The Neutral Opinion, but that never happened. I got antsy, so I'm starting my NFP, the No Friends Podcast. So, 
that was episode zero, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, please feel free to comment on the Instagram, the No Friends podcast. I'm going to end this recording here because my computer's making funny sounds. And I'll be honest with you guys, I got a fart and I'm not ready to record that yet. So with that said, this has gone long enough. Thanks so much for listening and uh, you stay friendly out there, folks.